Hello friend, it seems that I may have accidentally tapped into a different universe for, oh, I don't know, about a month and a half or so by my estimations and timetables, so that's okay. It just means that we have a lot to catch up on. I'll give you the spark notes. Basically, since the last podcast, I have done a lot of things, and and not in any particular order. I took a road trip down to Orlando to help celebrate our good friend Kit's birthday, her 30th, which was a lot of fun because she wanted to go to Universal Studios, and I had never been there before. I was on the fence about going, and I just decided to go, and I'm glad I did. So that was cool. Shortly before I went to Orlando, and during the trip and continuing now, I started finding pennies all over the place. I don't really know why or if there have always been this many pennies everywhere, but I have a ripe collection now and I guess I'm just going to keep collecting them because now I see them everywhere. It's been really handy actually though because I also in this time depleted my savings account accidentally, of course. Uh, it's fine, I was able to replenish it uh, shortly thereafter, because I also unexpectedly got a new gig just for the summer, I think, that sounds like exactly the opposite of what I was trying to do with this year, but is actually exactly what I need in the moment. It's an in-office editing job that, you know, relies on my post skills, which is great because it is summer and hot outside, and also the skills that I need are skills that I don't really have to think too, too hard about, and it also pays what I think is worth contributing to it, which it feels really good. It feels awesome to feel like I'm contributing and being appreciated. So before I actually got this job, and now that I do have it, I've actually gotten a chance to be really focused on the training that I'm doing. So at the top of May, I really focused on training Aikido because I had to stop while I was working on the movie. And I found that if I paired the Aikido with the weightlifting and sitting in the sauna and stretching thereafter, then I could get into early good routine and feel like I was progressing and learning all of the material and techniques I needed to learn. So all through May, I was training anywhere between three and five, maybe even six one week, um, days a week. And it was all energizing and I felt like I was learning a lot from it. And I'm really glad that I did that in that sort of intensive period of time because by the end of my beginning of June, I was able to take my first ever martial arts rank test and it went amazing. They do a really great job of preparing you for the test before the test, so there wasn't any worry of whether or not I was going to pass. I just showed up, treated it as a demonstration of knowledge, and got to show them what I knew. So I'm very excited to keep pursuing my Aikido training and I feel very satisfied with the work that I've put in. I also finally completed my first weightlifting program and I started my second one, which I'm not through yet, and I attended several different types of workshops for adventure activities. So big milestones all around.
When I take a look back and consider all of the things that I've done in this month and a half or so, I did feel really focused and concentrated, and I really felt like I fell into a solid rhythm of life. I felt like I had a lot of purpose and drive and motivation, and I didn't really feel like I had to necessarily push myself too hard to do the things that I said I was going to do, which felt awesome. There wasn't a lot of restraint against myself and feeling so in tune with myself while I was doing all these things and accomplishing these goals hinted that maybe this might be my cadence. I already know that I love adventure activities and that I do have a creative drive so I do need to create and that I love to learn. So it made sense that all of these things that I was doing sort of fed into each other and didn't necessarily detract from one another. If anything, they're contributing to the other activities because when I'm strong in one area, I feel like I'm strong in the others. They all sort of blend together and when they all blend, they flow and when they flow, I flow. So it just makes sense. I think I just need to figure out the financial aspect to get the stability. But the cadence itself, the rhythm, the pace, it all felt strong. And I'm liking strong more and more each day. Cadences have always been important to me, both musically, because I love music, of course, but also because to me, they represent patterns, beats, routines, and they're somewhat predictable. I've always been really drawn to and fascinated by the sort of intricacies of patterns and the assuredness, I guess, of routines. And whether what I'm observing is beautiful geometric architecture or a marching band drill from the stands or a Kaylee dance in Irish dance or even just a good old-fashioned tradition or workflow, routines that are predictable and somewhat geometric bring me a lot of satisfaction. I guess I love how perfect they seem to be, and in a kaleidoscopic sense, I love how all of the shapes sort of blend in and out of each other, but also help each other create the overall image. I also realized that when I am in a routine or doing a workflow or am watching some artistic exploration of a pattern, that I'm able to tap into a flow state or into a state where I'm completely absorbed and immersed in whatever I'm doing or observing. And this flow state or state of complete immersion is so much more preferable than the state of chaos and sort of running around like a chicken with its head cut off that I tend to feel when I don't have any of these stability markers in place. I think this is part of the reason why journaling works so well for me. Not necessarily creative journaling, but planning, using a planner. Especially the way that I have it set up right now, I'm using templates that I created stamps for, and they're, you know, the same each time. But I'm able to plan, you know, as far ahead as I've stamped. And I've found that when I'm able to set my day up ahead of me, even just a few intentions, nothing crazy. I feel like I live the next day with a lot more intention than if I just sort of, you know, leave it open and able to fill itself. Both techniques are valid, I would say, because 
it is fun to just sort of like leave things open and let things come in and fill your day as they do. But it's a slippery slope for me because if I don't go ahead and, you know, make some effort into living with intention, then I can often get in the uh, the self-sabotage or sort of a sacrificial state to be dramatic. So I guess I found that the downbeat with which I set my intention has to be just as strong as the upbeat in which I carry it through. If I write down in my planner that I'm going to wake up early and go lift weights and then come back and shower and then go to work, then I'm way more likely to do those things than if I just kind of think about it the night before and then wake up the next day and hear my alarm go off. There's something, there's some sort of inner battle, inner struggle going on there, but I I think I'm getting at least more attuned to it to figure it out. Ultimately though, I think having some sort of thump track cadence to pace me on really helps me as I navigate the seasonal life because I'm more aware of acceptance versus agency. And by this, I mean that so many of my actions and decisions have been brought upon because I wanted to feel accepted or close to the people who were in the environments that I was in, mostly in a work setting. So I got used to the idea that I needed to sacrifice things that I either wanted to to do or thought would be better or, you know, just sort of accommodate to please the the group as a whole rather than listening to my gut all the time and communicating from intuition. And that's definitely great for some circumstances. It's, it's helped me out a lot, especially navigating sort of more corporate-y situations where I don't necessarily fit right in. But what I've been trying to practice lately is carrying myself with a bit of agency. And I will say that having a pulse, having a drive does remind me, this is why you're doing this. Like this is the intention. And when I get overwhelmed or when I feel insecure or when I'm nervous, any of that, it has been a really nice thing to just pause and remember that intention and assure myself that it doesn't, it's okay that it's not the same intention as maybe somebody else. And that's great because then I can take my rest and count myself back in and start playing again when I'm ready. Now that I'm learning how to take charge of these parts by myself, I'm challenging myself to make more decisions because I want to do them and less decisions because I think somebody will appreciate that I'm doing them. And I guess it just comes down to exposure therapy. It hasn't been anything crazy. Like a good example is when I went down to Kit's birthday party in Orlando, I just drove by myself. I didn't really feel like carpooling with anybody. I also could only go for a few days. So it just made more sense to drive myself there and have a good time and then drive myself back. And before, I definitely could have seen myself hopping in a car with anybody else who was going, even if I didn't necessarily want to. But this time I was just like, nope, I just kind of go, want to go by myself, be autonomous. And 
I mean, it turned out great. <laughs> There's not really much to say about it, but I think little things like that snowball and provide encouragement and allow you to keep pursuing the things that you're doing. So that's what I'm practicing at the moment. Since my life has been a bit of a cacophony of events at the moment, I thought it only fitting to chat with somebody who knows a lot about music. Lucky for me, I happen to know quite a few people with a musical background, one of which is my little brother, Ian. I've had the privilege of knowing Ian for his whole life, as I am the oldest and he the baby, and if you've been along on our quest since season one, then you've actually heard from him a bit too, because he's created all the music for this podcast. In my memory and mind, Ian has always been a percussionist, and not just a percussionist, but a really robust musician. My first memories of Ian are, of course, him kicking, still in the womb, and when he was out and about in the world, I have lots of memories of him playing musical instrument toys and playing with this leapfrog electronic drum. As he's gotten older and his studies have progressed, he's graduated onto a little more sophisticated range of instruments. He loves the timpani and is excellent on marimba. He can also rock a mean snare drum and triangle, and he never shies away from the strange eclectic instruments that I prefer giving him, such as the automaton. Needless to say, whatever the instrument, Ian can probably pick it up and figure out how to play some little tune on it within a matter of minutes. It's been a really beautiful thing to watch and to listen to Ian grow as a person and as a musician. And as I've been thinking about him recently, I've notice that he sort of envelops all of these traits that come to my mind when I consider the word cadence. He definitely seems to have the absorption factor going on whenever he's working, and it's amazing because he can churn out pieces very quickly, or at least to me it seems quick. He also has the sensitivity needed in order to evoke different emotions and sensations with his music. And perhaps most important, or maybe just impressive, he's able to finish the works and pieces that he starts. So from my perspective, he's beautifully walking this tightrope of ordering chaos, and it seems to be working in his favor. As I say all this out loud, it does make perfect sense to me why I chose this word for Ian, but I will say that I did have a hard time choosing it. I knew it had to be musically adjacent or derived, but I didn't want it to be something as obvious as note or rest or any of those types of words, because while he is a musician and I think a very good one, he is also so much more. And so while I was auditioning different words for Ian, I really just asked myself what I wanted to know about him in this moment. And I realized that we haven't really spent much time together since I left for college and have since moved out. And while I know vaguely what he's up to, I don't necessarily know how that feels for him on a tactile level. And so I concluded 
that I just wanted to hear about his rhythm of life and what life's like for him these days. I truly loved recording this special little episode with him, and I'm excited for you to listen to it. We recorded on my porch, so you will hear lots and lots of cicadas in the background chirping along, but I hope you appreciate that that's their song to sing, and they want to be heard too. So go grab your drumsticks or your triangles or your xylophones and come make some music with us as we chime in on the cadences of our lives. want to preface this podcast by saying that I know that music is not your whole personality. <laughs> it's only half my personality. Right. But I think it's very important <laughs> <laughs> to note that it's not your whole personality. <laughs> no, no, I appreciate that. There's sometimes when I feel like people think it's my whole personality. Yeah. And I'm like, that's fair. And I'm not going to tell them that it's not. Because, yeah, it doesn't matter. Well, first of all, welcome back to Atlanta. Of course, my third time here. Yeah. It's very nice. Very it's very nice. Uh, steamy. It is very steamy. It almost feels like North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really not too dissimilar. Yeah, you know, um, I remember you said that the architecture is very similar. It just seems like a bigger North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And that's Big very true. Show. That's very true. Mm-hmm. It's um, very hot out here. It's, yeah, it's very muggy, especially after the storms. I don't know what it is, but it's not as uncomfortable as North Carolina. There's something about it. Maybe it's the candles. Yeah, (laughs) it is kind of a vibe out here. Um, We are in my porch on my apartment, and I really enjoy sitting out here when the sun isn't out. Uh, or the temperature's down because then we can put up all the lights and Ian help me light some candles and just get a whole vibe going as we listen to these cicadas <laughs> and everything. So it for surely is a summer night. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. Well, welcome back. Happy to see you. Happy to have you on. Um, we are here today, this evening, to talk about... The word cadence. Yeah. Cadence. 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 <laughs> you know, the first thing I thought of when I saw the uh, word cadence <laughs> uh-huh. was, and you probably already know what I'm going to say, is um, what we used to play in marching band. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Sledge. Right? Sledge. Sledge. You want to beat it out? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, pretty much... Uh, so in that, in that definition of cadence, it would be, um, what the drum line would play. I was in the drum line. I'm a percussionist, sadly. Um, and we would play these things called cadences in, in parades or like, a um, football games. I'm not explaining this to you. 
because you were drumming. You already know this. I have a... I kind of was <laughs> Like, I was, but I had no drumming. Like, right. not that you need to, but I yeah. just had none of that knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they kind of put, like... I don't know, whatever. Um... <laughs> yeah, we we would do it essentially when you needed like a quick fill in um, when the rest of the band wasn't playing. But unfortunately for me, that meant that I had to play like a hundred percent of the time. Not yep. saying I didn't know that. It's like I literally signed up for that. Like it's entirely right. my fault that I had to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that the world of carrying drums when you're marching is um, it's for it's like a specific taste. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. It's not for everybody, and I don't think. Um, I used to think it was for me, and I, I realized uh, relatively quickly that it probably wasn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where your mind went to yeah. first. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. Um, so that that's always the way I associated cadence, the word cadence, um, until... Not too long ago, which is kind of sad, considering I'm, like, I've been doing percussion. I've been doing, like, music for um, a long time. Um, I didn't really take the time to figure out what the other definitions are. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I, I fully started realizing it when I went to college, mm-hmm. the other definitions of it. Um, which don't apply to just music, honestly. They apply to anything that you want to analyze in the sense of rhythm. Mm -hmm. So we were sitting outside on your lovely porch with lights and everything. Uh, I can hear a car in the distance. Um, And there's cicadas that are just like birds or, you know, any animal that has a call, they're going to be vocalizing, Mm -hmm. vocalizing, I guess. Um, they're, they're going to be calling in a specific rhythm. And in a sense, you know, that that is like one definition of the word cadence or even like how I'm talking right now is a definition of the word cadence. It's It could be natural rhythm in essentially anything, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Most notably like voice or, or music. Um, and that, that's something I didn't really realize in, until I started listening to like more different kinds of music um cadence is a very important thing especially in rap music Mm -hmm. um also known as like flow right or meter yeah meter yeah i'm really getting ahead of myself i'm sorry (laughs) i'm loving it it's great no yeah this should be like like 40 minutes into the podcast conversation (laughs) but we're like five minutes in that's great i love it (laughs) Just, like, dive right in. <laughs> no, but you're totally right, because when, um, when I was doing my little brainstorm, the, the way that I have always held a relationship with the word cadence is that it has always, I guess, sort of been a synonym for rhythm to mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. Um, meaning extending not only to musicality or um or temporal um effect but also to people's like walks of life or like the flow states that they get into interesting what do you mean by that like 
how people sort of fall into routines uh-huh. of like either day-to-day life or um, environmental sort of habits that they kind okay. of go about or even situational things uh-huh. um, like people if they go work in an office they probably leave for work at a certain time and then they you know park their car, get uh-huh. in, they have their coffee, they talk around the water cooler, like do all yeah. that corporate stuff. Yeah. Um, do some work. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, have their little highlights throughout the day <laughs> that they can look forward to, like right. lunch and other things. Um <laughs> elevators. Elevators, yeah. Whatever that life is like. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but uh I feel like people can find rhythms in essentially everything and everyone like i think a potential rhythm is possible in whatever path people take so i was interested in talking with you about it specifically to see where your mind went because you 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 to me are somebody who can appreciate both sides of that you're somebody who actually does have this um very pronounced musical uh, background and appreciation, but you are also somebody who I think very much just is uh, great at going with the flow and, mm. you know, doing your own thing. And so I was interested to see and ask, what is your life's cadence in this moment, in this season of Ian? What's it like Ooh. to be Ian these days? This season of Ian. I like that. It's bold of you to assume people are, people are going to watch more than one season of Ian. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, first, let me say that that's a really cool comparison to that word. I've never even thought of that. Like, to associate the word cadence with, um, like, your lifestyle. But it makes sense. That, that's Is that a common comparison? Did you just think of that? that it's where dome? my brain goes. It's where your brain goes. That's yeah. where my brain goes. Wow. Yeah, cool. Um, what was the question? <laughs> what is your cadence of life? Like, what is it like to be, to live in with Ian's cadence uh-huh. these days? Yeah. I, okay. I've been trying to be more like go with the flow like like you said more relaxed um i think the older i get the more i realize how you kind of need to be like that sometimes to not take everything so seriously because if you take everything so seriously then you're gonna like i mean you're gonna be taking everything seriously it's gonna everything's gonna seriously seriously you're seriously gonna be taking (laughs) (laughs) um it's, you know, that's something that I'm I'm not, like, great at, I feel. I mean, I, I feel like I'm a lot better at being carefree about things. Um, but I wish I could be just a little bit more. Because I, I find myself, you know, overthinking a lot of things um, about everything. And this has been more of, like... A recent thing like this is like a season like four are we in season four? season three maybe 
It's like the Christmas episode. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's a long Christmas episode. Christmas in, July. Christmas in July. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um, it's been something that's been happening more recently that's made me more... Like... Wary about things. More cautious. Um about how I approach things, and by things I mean, like, conversations or confrontations, um, with people, uh, you know, just being more, like, what's the word I'm thinking of, trying to, like, stick up for yourself more, mm -hmm. um, assertive, yeah, mm -hmm. that's the word, um, all, all of those things make me overthink and actually become pretty anxious about, about those thoughts. Um, so I find that that's a big obstacle in me trying to be more carefree. But, you know, I'm trying to, like, work on that. And because I, I think it could only better myself and better my relationships with people if I actually, like, stick up for myself more and not be, um, not to be rude or anything, but, like, not be, like, a pushover. Mm -hmm. um, so I think my, like, Cadence right now, at least, would be to have a little bit more, like, self-respect. Hmm. Um, a more self-help, self-aiding direction. Mm -hmm. And it's something that you are very conscious of, maybe? Or are have you been able to develop these behaviors into more habitual responses? to protect yourself or not maybe just to stand up for yourself more yeah um i'm definitely so okay let me like backtrack a little bit it used to be so bad that say um someone does something that i don't agree with or like uh i don't know i would just act like i'm okay with it mm -hmm. even if it's something like i would like it's horrible you know just because i one, I'm very introverted, um, and that I'm not saying introverted people don't stand up for themselves. I'm just saying it kind of led me to be more shy. I think when it comes to stuff like this, it's easier to be a bit more reclusive, yeah, or like exactly hold your space and hold your own energy uh -huh. instead of extending it. Yeah. Um, so. Now I'm I'm trying to acknowledge when I feel like before I didn't even feel upset about something. I would realize that I'm upset after the fact. Mm -hmm. um, upset's maybe a little too dramatic, but now I'm trying to recognize when I feel like that right in the moment that it happens, rather than five minutes later or like an hour later. Um, and I, I think that's the first step, and then the step after that would be to actually maybe be more assertive about things. Um, but yeah, I'm, more, I'm sort of working towards that. Mm -hmm. I think, mm -hmm. yeah. So your rhythm of life or the thing that you're pursuing is basically self-betterment or self-improvement. Oh yeah, definitely. I, one of the, one of the biggest things um, that I, I sort of mentioned at the beginning, like was, how I've been listening to a lot more music mm -hmm. and with listening to a lot more music comes appreciating a lot more walks of life, mm -hmm. a lot more cultures. 
and that is um i i feel is a very integral part of me it's like is an integral part of self-help for me because it's giving me a more um understanding view on you know mental health uh cultural or societal upbringings or mm-hmm. even just like I don't know, even just like stories that people come up with. It's just being more appreciative, more, I don't know, well-versed mm-hmm. and, and things like that, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. And you have a very broad and wide range of um, musical appreciation, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're able to listen to a song or a piece of music and mm-hmm. really listen to it on more than just a surface level, I think. Mm-hmm. You're able to delve into the either the lyrics or the the, the rhythms or the um, musicality or the history. You're able to find something of each piece that stands out as authentic, I think. Um yeah, I, I really, I try to with a lot of things, because um, I feel like it's kind of crazy. It, it's like a small phenomenon that listening to something the first time is just completely different from listening to something that you've known mm-hmm. for, like, years. Or, yeah. Um, it's almost like a completely different song, because me personally, I have such a hard time processing lyrics the first time I oh, hear them. Too. It's like... It's like it's not even English, I feel like. Or like half the time, um, if I haven't listened to it enough, I'll, <laughs> I'll think that they're saying something completely different. And then I'll look on Genius or, or whatever, and then I'll be like, oh, well, it's not at all what I thought it was. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, I, I, one thing that really fascinates me is taking the time to look into lyrics and musical things that artists do with their music. Um I won't delve into that, but I don't know. Just, yeah, things that interest me and give me a better understanding. Mm-hmm. Well, with this understanding that you have and with your ability to appreciate music on a variety of levels, how much would you say that music um, affects or influences or impacts your day-to-day life mm-hmm. or just who how much space does it take up in you as a person mm-hmm. um 50% I'm just kidding <laughs> great okay cool <laughs> note that down <laughs> right um uh yeah um there there's always something that i'm thinking about related to music that might sound a little cringy like oh my god okay <laughs> cut it out you're right i don't need to listen to that part i'm not gonna cut it out <laughs> um but like i don't know there, there's always something that I'm, I'm thinking about with it um that i I don't know how to explain this. There's always a part of something, whether it's like a lyric from a song or like 
maybe just like an effect that someone does. Um, maybe it's like an orchestrational thing in classical music. Maybe it's, I don't know, just a, the, a whole piece of music itself that I'm, it's, there's just always something kind of going on that I, um, and because of that, I'm, I'm always in the mood to listen to something, but it's always very different. Mm -hmm. So I find myself, especially when I'm at work, uh, it's like, I, I listen to a lot of, a lot of music, um, depending on, you know, just how I feel. Um, so I guess to answer your question, what music is dictating me, I don't know. I don't want to say that. <laughs> Music is... Uh, guiding? Guiding, maybe? Um, it's kind of guiding my emotions, maybe, how I how I feel. Um, yeah, it helps me feel, I guess. Mm -hmm. Feel better. It's a gateway to emotion. Yeah. But I don't want to sound like I'm a psychopath when I say I don't mean that mean it like that. Right. Like, like I don't have to listen to something sad to be sad. Right. I don't know. It's very hard to explain. I'm never really good at explaining how I feel about things. Mm -hmm. Um. Hence, going back to the the beginning, how I said it's hard for me to <laughs> express, <laughs> and I'm working on it. Full circle. <laughs> yeah. Full circle. Full circle. <laughs> no, it's interesting for me to hear you talk about that uh struggle because i if anybody listened to the human design episode mm -hmm. <laughs> one of my uh traits i guess was i don't even remember which uh center or whatever it was anymore but one of my traits was that i tend not to know how I feel about something until after the fact. Mm. And it was really interesting, one, for that to come up in just this random human design thing. Yeah. And then two, uh, to hear you say a similar yeah. thing just now. Yeah. So it was, it's, I don't know, it's just interesting to hear that echoed. Yeah. And I'd be curious to learn more about what your experience with that has been. Like, has it been... Have there been times when it's been challenging or confusing to navigate that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, uh, boy, I don't want to say specific situations. You don't have to. Because I don't want to, no, I don't, I don't care what people think. Um, I just don't want to, like, call people out because I yeah. feel like that's not appropriate. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, definitely been like a lot of times where uh i feel slightly like taken advantage of maybe mm -hmm. um in the sense that like i'm not as as pushing with things and it, it kind of results in um it kind of results in me like giving something and not really receiving and I, and I was like, oh my god, why do you have to receive something that's so selfish? That's how I think. I feel mm -hmm. like I can't receive anything, which is so unhealthy. I know that's that's a horrible thing to think, but I, I usually feel like I can't. <laughs> like I I have to give a lot. Um, 
And I find that to be the case, you know, with, with certain people. Another, another thing I, I was just thinking of is how I, I feel like some people have different views about me than I actually am because I'm not as, I'm not assertive enough to give my real opinion about mm-hmm. things. So they kind of just like me just because I'll listen and I don't know. Like, I don't agree, but like, I won't disagree. So that's probably just as good as agreeing to some mm. people, if that makes sense. To some people, yeah, I've definitely heard the, like, well, to go on one extreme, I've definitely heard people say silence is violence. Oh, yeah. All of that yeah, yeah. Sort of thing, which, yeah. I feel like there's, in all of these phrases and idioms and sayings, there's some degree of truth in some situations but mm-hmm. in others and i would guess some of the situations that you have had personal experiences with it's it's less about the the issue and maybe more about your security in yourself in that moment mm-hmm. and wanting to Maybe not feeling the need to be overly bold and instead taking the safer stance and keeping your energy to yourself or maybe even hiding sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when I think about that, I, I have to ask myself, like, what's the really what's the point of doing that? There are so many people that I meet that, like, that I, I'm just meeting through my life that why do I have to worry about all of them liking me? Yeah. And this is where I realize that I have some people-pleasing tendencies. Um, but, like, why can't I just be more original? I'm, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. That's That's another thing. I find myself... I don't know if this is related. It probably isn't. <laughs> it actually... So I have okay, one of my okay. bubbles here is um, it's about presence. Yeah. Because I associate... Yeah. Another thing that I associate um, cadences with, I guess, from a musicality stance is like the, the strength, I mm-hmm. guess, of, um, you know, like a drum line mm-hmm. or something. Um, and so that got me thinking about all of these things like voice, uh, presence, visibility. Yeah. Um, so this is right on topic. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, one thing, uh, I guess I've, I've been thinking about a lot in the past year is how I feel like I don't have original thoughts sometimes. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by this is I swear that (laughs) it's kind of funny. I swear that I'll think something, I'll feel a certain way about something, and then I'll see someone or see something say the opposite, and then I'll be like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, that's right. And everything I thought before is prob- is incorrect, or I feel silly for considering it. And I've been trying to catch myself on that, because I don't think that's me being genuine to myself. I think that's that's really just conforming <laughs> not to get to, <laughs> not, not to delve into you know counterculture or whatever but 
Um, I, I feel like that's... Well, I mean, I, I feel like that's what a lot of people want, is they want... Um, they want to be told what to think mm-hmm. rather than think for themselves because, I mean, being told what to think is a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I wish I wish I could stand by my beliefs. This is entirely internal, by the way. I very rarely, like, say what I believe um, publicly to people um, just because I kind of assume people don't really care. There's some just, truth in that. Just like how I don't really care. Right. <laughs> sure. Um, so this is all like an internal thing that I, I feel like I'm not being original and true to myself. Um, that I find myself thinking of. I find myself getting wrapped up in my head about a lot. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I think that might be part of it that you, that you do think more deeply or complexly about what other people have to say. Mm -hmm. Like you really do consider what people are saying to you. Mm -hmm. So maybe part of it is that you, you have your mindset going in to talk with somebody and they say something completely different maybe. And you are able to see the nuggets of truth or their perspective uh-huh. in what they're saying. Yeah. And those things do have some degree of authenticity and groundedness and mm-hmm. reality in them. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what makes you question your own uh, mm. beliefs or mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's 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 amazing, yeah. Um wow, you're good at this. <laughs> you're a really good host, wow. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um What's your uh your Myers Briggs thing? I am an INTJ. Okay, I'm also an INTJ. Maybe that's why some things are similar. I know you said that you you have the you said that one thing was echoed. Yeah. Maybe it's, yeah. I don't know. What is it? Introverted. What does the N stand for? Intuition. Intuition. Or intuitive. Intuitive. Means we can lead with our guts. Okay. Just live off vibes. Live off vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the only correct letter. Oh, I'm right. just kidding. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. No, oh, yeah. Good job. <laughs> Making a lot of progress today. well that was actually something else i wanted to ask (laughs) oh my god so many segues (laughs) well yeah it's all it's all on topic all on brand um so uh, do you prefer if we're speaking about cadence as a rhythm of life Uh do you prefer or tend to fall into patterns Mm -hmm. in the way that you go about life or do you just like to live off the vibes yeah um when you say patterns do you mean like the like wake up do it do the thing go do the thing do the thing come back eat go to sleep yeah like you like to know it's like a pretty consistent routine every day oh no i can't do that (laughs) i really can't um i can do it 
for a few days, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But after a few days, it gets really bad. <laughs> it gets really unbearable. Um, like, I have to... That's why I started hiking a lot. Mm-hmm. You remember, like, when I got really into that? I do, yeah. Um, there was something about, like, just kind of, like... Um, just impulsively just doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, at the table. Just doing it and not, like, staying in the standard, like, working and then lunch break and then working and then eating and then... I don't know. Yeah, it's very it's very hard for me to, to do that. So I, I have to just kind of do what's right. But, you know, like, at the same time, you can't just... <laughs> you can't just do whatever you want. Because, like, I'm in college right now. You have to go to class. And... And music, you know, you have to practice. You yeah, have that's to find, like the whole to, thing about being a music major. It's lit. That's literally the only thing. Is <laughs> <laughs> you have to practice. That's not the only thing. Um, the like, you have to find time to do it. And yes, it is a lot easier if you do it consistently, like the same time every day. Um, but. I find with like with routines and stuff like that, I always fall off mm-hmm. after a few days, mm-hmm. just because I don't know. It's almost like some weird form of like depression. I think that comes with with doing stuff like that, mm-hmm. where it's it's really unbearable to have to do the same thing every day and. I don't know. That's why I can't like see myself like living in the in like a suburban neighborhood with um grass. Right. 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 <laughs> Fences, hot dogs, you know. Hot <laughs> <dogs>. <laughs> okay. I uh, wasn't expecting that one. <laughs> like like the suburbs. I guess, but not not like yeah. like I mean, this is technically the suburbs, right? But this not, is the burbs. This yeah. isn't what I mean by that. Yeah, I don't like those neighborhoods. I gotcha. Like anyone who's in America knows what I'm talking about when I say those neighborhoods, right? Like those neighborhoods. Oh no, I gotcha. And you know, I actually saw that on I saw a video that um, a lot of neighborhoods like that in um, it's in Texas. It might have been Austin mm-hmm. or Dallas, one of the two. They don't have sidewalks. It's like a complete, like, car city. Oh. It's very, like, unwalkable. Oh. And that that's kind of what I'm talking about. Like, it just seems like a machine. We just seem like ants. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> You're a little bit on a tangent, but I'm, uh, I'm <laughs> along for the ride, and that's fine. Um, I do feel similarly, I guess, about Atlanta sometimes, mm-hmm. because there are communities where it is very pedestrian friendly or it's very just like people friendly um and then there are most of the other roads where where there's giant slabs of metal over potholes for years and (laughs) there is a public transport system but it's not super reliable Mm -hmm. um so there's just all these things but yeah I totally resonate with you and not wanting to I don't even know if it's like a commitment thing but just 
just kind of like falling into it maybe yeah yeah maybe it's like because i have a similar um need Mm -hmm. i guess to to roam or to to play to play yeah exactly um and i think do you find that when you are able to have that bit of agency like when you are able to sort of say i'm gonna do these three days like this and then these couple days like this do you find that to be energizing to you oh absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's 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 invigorating to to just do something like slightly different um yeah i i really i like i don't know i i it's yeah like i said it's I, i can't fall into stuff like that yeah it's very hard for me yeah and just one more thing I'll say, like, I think it's kind of a society thing, too, mm-hmm. how easy it is to fall in to, let's just say, to make this easier, like, the nine to five thing. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to fall into that just because of how many people love to work in America and how it's kind of, like, people just kind of tell you, like, you have to work hard to earn. Yeah, it's just what the whole country is based off of. So I could very easily go to community college and get a trades job and then live in, live in those neighborhoods with hot dogs. With hot dogs. For, for the rest of my life and be perfectly fine. Be perfectly fine. Um, but that just sounds absolutely terrible to me. For some people, it's exactly what they want, and I love and respect that for them. Mm-hmm. Um, not for me. Yeah, there's a. it's crazy to me that huge emphasis there is on not only work but hard work and valuing your hard work yeah over your sometimes over your just your basic needs yeah as a human and also the pridefulness of prioritizing your work over your needs and also more of like sentimental Mm -hmm. things as well um so it doesn't surprise me to hear you again echoing yeah, <laughs> all yeah. of that. Um, so that's great. And it's great to hear that you can realize that you feel energized and maybe happier or more in tune with yourself when you're pursuing mm-hmm. those lifestyles that you have agency over. Mm-hmm. Have you maybe in one of those activities or set of days where you have had a chance to really just invest yourself into doing something that you really were excited about or looking forward to? Have you ever caught yourself or recognized yourself in a flow state? When you say flow state, do you mean like the creative high people talk about? Is that yeah. what you're referring to? Yeah, I'm meaning the completely immersed mentally state of mind where you are just in it and you're completely focused on Mm. the task that you are doing it doesn't have to it can just be a a mental task but it could also be a physical Mm -hmm. thing um something that just has captures all of your attention and time just passes by quickly yeah were you asking if I get that with like one of the things I plan? 
Have you been in one? Have I been in one? Yeah. And what were you doing, if you would like to share? Yeah, sure. Um, I get... <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. I get in those at the weirdest times. Uh, sometimes it's hard for me to go to sleep just because I'm thinking about something. Um, and so I'm thinking about it and then I just want to start like working on it. Mm-hmm. Just whatever it is. Like literally whatever it is. Not just music, like anything. Um, and I'll get in that state that you're talking about and I'll do something at three in the morning and I'll never touch it again. <laughs> and I don't know what the universe's plan for me is with that. Like maybe it's just to get it out of my system so I can go to sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, the more normal I, I get those a lot of time when I'm writing music, I would say. Um, if some Sometimes when I'm practicing, but more so when I'm writing music, mm-hmm. I get in that state. Mm-hmm. And does it, so it's happened multiple times? Yeah. 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 It kind of, for things to be like, quote unquote, successful, whatever that even means, um, in my mind, I, I feel like sometimes I almost have like have to get in that state for things. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the, oh man, that doesn't sound good though. That doesn't sound healthy actually. Um, well, I guess it sparks a conversation of like, is it is it something that can be forced or does mm-hmm. it just like can you force yourself into it to be able to complete a task or can it just does it have to be something that comes organically to you? Yeah. I mean, I think it can be forced in the sense that you have to have an interest in whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. Because if you're not interested, then obviously it's not going to happen. Right, right. Um, I don't know. Do you get it with normal tasks? Like, I know you're a very creative person, but if you're, like, vacuuming, do you get, like, in a really, like, flow state? I So not a flow state necessarily, but when I was vacuuming yesterday, I was actually like pretty at peace with it. Yeah. Because <laughs> because I had literally just watched that episode mm-hmm. of um, tidying up with Marie Kondo. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and that made me feel a lot better about clearing my space, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. which I knew that it would. So I guess in that. I guess I did force that state of mind onto myself because I was cleaning and then I, it was cheese and crackers o'clock. Right. 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 And then, so I had my cheese and crackers and then while I had my cheese and crackers, I wanted to encourage myself to finish cleaning my apartment. Uh And so I put that on because I knew it would help me and it did. And then I cleaned the apartment and I was very like, at peace while I was doing it. Yeah. So I guess in that sort of, like, tangential way, it was a sort of flow state. But I do mostly get it... The times that I've mostly gotten it have actually been when I'm editing. Okay. So kind of in your... When, you, when you're pursuing your creative endeavors. Yeah. 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 And it's a similar thing, it sounds like, to you when I... It's not... It's definitely not every time that I'm editing, Mm -hmm. but when I am really, I guess, 
excited about a project mm -hmm. or I feel like it's a really good project for me in a current moment, I am able to just completely focus on it, which yeah. is a really crazy feeling. Yeah, it is kind of crazy. To just zone in completely on something yeah. and then the hours just zip by. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And you can do like an insane amount of work too. Yeah. When you get in a state like that. Yeah. But I kind of have like a, I guess, a hangover period afterward because usually <laughs> yeah. what happens is if I'm do if I do a full day uh -huh. sort of like that, where if it's an eight hour day, then maybe like five or six of those hours are like really high focus. Mm -hmm. um, then the next day I'll be kind of like skittish. Yeah. The rest of the, that day. Yeah. It, it it is very draining, I would say. Yeah. Um, especially wow, six hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel, yeah. Um. I don't know. Sometimes I don't want anything to do with anything that I'm creative with. Yeah. I don't even want to think about it. Right. Um. But you know, other times I'm I'm really like, like high focus. You know, that's all I want to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really draws you in. Yeah. Um, well, segueing off of the uh, sparking joy of Marie Kondo, mm -hmm. um, what about music? It could be music in general or about your specific endeavors with percussion mm -hmm. and also music composition. Mm -hmm. What about music sparks joy for you? And... I don't know if you could hear that, but there was some sort of a crash over there. I think it was a dumpster. One of those Atlanta bears. It was the Atlanta bears. Also, there's been a lot of bears in the Piedmont in North Carolina. Really? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, just like walking around that bin. No, don't tell mom that. <laughs> cut that, cut that, cut that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I keep seeing it on the Facebook page. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, wow. I was like a couple of years ago. I was like seeing bear symbolism everywhere. You told me that. Yeah. 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 A couple of things you told me was kind of crazy. Like it kind of like seems a little too specific to just be nothing. Right. Don't know what that means. Well, Still don't. you know, the bears are following you. I evidently. Yeah, because we they're right outside your apartment. <laughs> They are literally standing right there mm -hmm. with you, a welcome basket. Right. Do you have your um uh bear circle? Um, to draw on the I sand? I don't, but I do have some bear spray. Okay. It's not as good. It's not as no, good. It's fine. It's I mean they seem nice. They seem nice, yeah. What was your question? <laughs> Um, uh, oh well, yeah, what about music? Let's do specifically, what about music, like, from your percussion and composition standpoint, uh, sparks joy yeah. to you? And then, second question, because it's still on the Marie Kondo uh -huh. line, because this is her other half mm -hmm. philosophy, what in music, just in general... <laughs> 
That was a car. Oh, okay. Oh. Not the bears. Okay. <laughs> yeah, music in general. You know, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you could, um, if you could take any, well, not piece of music, but like part oh. of music, music theory, music, whatever. Sure. And kindly thank it for its service and then discard it. Okay. What piece would that be? So that's the second part of the question. And now the UFO has landed. <laughs> oh my gosh, what is happening? <laughs> there was one time a couple weeks ago, well not weeks, <laughs> months ago, when I was re- trying to record an intro uh-huh. just in my room. And there were planes flying over yeah. like every minute. Wow. That's really annoying. It really was. Yeah. And I was like, you guys got to finish up because I got to go to set. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this episode's coming out tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> so anyway, what sparks joy? Um, I guess, are you asking like from like a performance standpoint, like when I'm performing or like when I'm writing? Yeah. Composing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. I think the thing above everything that I really, that really sparks joy is that I just think it's fun. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a fun thing to do. Um, from the performing aspect, it's fun to learn something and then be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to show it off to people because everyone likes doing that yeah. in a certain sense. And from a writing sense, it's it's fun to write it and sort of admire your work and critique yourself and kind of grow yourself as a person. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's what sort of sparks joy from music on a personal level. Mm-hmm. Um, to answer your second question, I think behind everything in music that I want to think, I would think orchestration. Yeah. Yeah. Because without orchestration, you wouldn't. Music would be very, I don't know, bland. Um, orchestration can mean a lot of things. In the classical music sense, it's like it's like how you how you assign certain sounds or notes or melodies to the to like the ability of that instrument. Like, like how it can produce those sounds and melodies. Um, so, for instance, if you were writing a solo piano piece and you wanted to orchestrate the sounds, um, someone might say that, like, you can't do it because it's just a piano. How are you going to orchestrate a piano? But there's multiple things you could do. There's dynamics. There's tempo. There's, like, expression writing. There's um, tone settings on the piano as well, the pedals on the bottom, mm-hmm. you know. You can really orchestrate a whole piece just on a piano. Um, and it's how you do that that determines how things sound and ultimately like how interesting things are. Mm. On a larger sense, when, you, when you're orchestrating like an orchestra, then you can be more specific, I'd say. Like you can double certain instruments to create um, a whole new sound. And then, of course, uh, orchestration in a classical sense transfers to more like electronic music and sound, like synthesizers. And there, there's 
and stuff like that. There's so much you can do in software electronically to manipulate what exactly is happening. Mm -hmm. And I think that's thanks to, to orchestration. Mm -hmm. um, so I would, if I could pick orchestration up and put them on my shoulders and parade them around the city, you know, probably wouldn't do that because I'm not very strong. But I, I give them a handshake or something, you know. Right, right. I mean, it would be a lot to pick even just one cello. Yeah, up. yeah. Yeah, you see, I um I regret being a percussionist because mm -hmm. I it's heavy. <laughs> Stuff I have to carry sometimes is pretty heavy. Not um, the triangle though. Not the triangle, not the triangle. But like, yeah, some of them are like hundreds of pounds. Yeah. But boo hoo, I, cho I chose this life, like I said earlier. Oh man, now the aliens are really landing. Yeah, I don't know what is happening tonight. Um, I don't think I've ever heard that specific sound. Yeah. yeah. Take me away, that's all I can say. Yeah. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Well, it's. I love that answer. That was uh -huh. a perfect answer. Yes. The funny thing is that when Marie Kondo is thanking something, uh -huh. she is thanking something for its service so that she can discard, discard it, it and get rid of it. You see, I was going to ask, do I have to discard orchestration? Right. You would just... But I love that you wanted to thank orchestration and appreciate it uh -huh. so much that you just... It couldn't go unsaid. So we do not need to discard orchestration. <laughs> I when, when I wrote the question, I thought you were gonna say something like scales. <laughs> I can say scales. Okay, great. Scales. <laughs> See, that's I know you so well. <laughs> no, I mean, I, if you want me to answer your question in that way, I can do this very, very quickly. Um, I think like a lot of nomenclature for music is kind of not necessary. Uh -huh. Maybe it is to a certain extent if you want to analyze things, mm. but. For a lot of people, for a lot of musicians, the classic is like the Beatles. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't know any of that. They were just doing it. They were just chilling, you know? Um, so I think a lot of nomenclature isn't required. And people that are really into music theory think that you have to know all that stuff. I disagree. As evidenced by your comment earlier when you were telling me about thoughts. About what? <laughs> Is that what it was? Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, the um, SATZ, I don't even know, SATS, SADS, sponsored by Zaxby's, I don't know. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. German for movement or collection or something like that. I saw it in a classical music piece and I was very confused. <laughs> for what, like a decade? Yeah. 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 Love Google. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um... So, one other route that we didn't, that we haven't really touched on yet that my brain led me to in thinking of the word cadence is that I associate it with a sort of formality sometimes mm. or even like showmanship mm. because... Again, I guess going back to drum lines and marching band and everything, there's a sort of like almost regality 
sometimes about it. Yeah. And that got me wondering, you know, like how, I guess the line between authentic, like authentic tradition and ritual Mm. versus something that's just performative Mm -hmm. and just like for show, Mm -hmm. like to, to people please or for people to fawn after. Right. Um, and it's kind of hard to like pick a specific thing to branch that conversation off of. But the first like music related thing that I thought of was actually the, the, um, that sort of like traditional, I guess in the Stars and Stripes Forever March <laughs> like in concert band mm. when they have uh, the uh, the piccolo player is, yeah, like okay. march I mean, out and yeah. like play that little solo yeah. and then on the that final strain when either just the trumpet players or the trombone players a good portion of the brass section just like stands up and plays the rest of it. Yeah. So I was curious in that sort of vein Uh to know what your thoughts are about that performative ritual. Yeah. um... (laughs) God, I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) I've I've played that march a good amount of time. I, Um, yeah, I think everybody has. Yeah. Yeah. Which I enjoy it. No, it kind of hits every time. It's a fantastic march. Hits it's, every it's, time. It's excellent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. There's, well, there's aesthetic purposes for stuff like that, mm-hmm. and then there's also musical purposes. Um, Michael Daugherty, he's a composer, uh, a, a contemporary composer, who frequently writes for his trombone players or sax players. or He writes a lot of concert band music for the soloists to stand up when they do their solo. He writes it in the music for oh, them to okay. do it. So at that point, I feel like it's not like a tradition thing. It's more of like a musical choice mm. to slightly maybe raise the volume. Or here's an interesting thought. Maybe it doesn't raise the volume at all, but because they stand up, it seems louder to you. Oh, yeah. That's something that I've, I've heard people talk about. Mm-hmm. Um. So there it is in that sense. But in the sense that you're mentioning that march, people really like when, <laughs> when stuff is more fun yeah. and, and featured like that. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen, like, trombone suicides? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about where they go like... Psh, psh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People eat that up. <laughs> you know, every other day of the year in high school... They're going to bully the trombone kids. Who are trombone kids? Sorry, I don't mean to. <laughs> I really wasn't. You weren't? Okay. I really wasn't. I really, like, not because I didn't think that it was, like, great instrument or whatever, uh, uh, but literally because I, my tone was terrible. And I did it for, like, a couple weeks. Like, I was not. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, But, you know, when when people do stuff like that, it's like, Oh my god, it's super impressive or like they're drawing so much attention to them. And, and at that point it's such a it's such a showy thing that it's more you feel like it's more about the show than it is the music. Mm-hmm. Um and then of course, you know, delving off of that, you have 
two different forms of marching band. You have right. the one that we were doing, mm-hmm. which is more core style, I guess you would call it. And then you have show style marching band, which is like um, local college A&T, mm-hmm. um, really embraced by black culture, mm-hmm. doing a show style shows, which in my opinion are much more enjoyable to watch. You can anyone might disagree with that, but um, I mean they're iconic. They are like, very every year at the Mevin Christmas parade yeah. it was a treat when they it came. It really was. It really was. It was really something. Um, it takes a lot of endurance too. Oh my gosh, so yeah. much. But at that point, it's almost fifty percent the music they're playing and fifty percent the show that they're doing. Because mm-hmm. without one, without the music, they're they're just moving around, and without the show, it's just like it's just not. I don't know. It's just it's just missing it. It's missing the soul. It's missing the fun. Yeah. So I think that um, what what you're talking about is it happens a lot because of the fun that's associated with watching a soloist stand up or you know watching like the the puny piccolo player do the solo and then have the whole brass section just run them over, <laughs> <laughs> hit them like a truck. Right. Really. <laughs> um, yeah. I I don't know. Yeah, that's what I would say about that. I don't mm-hmm. know if that answered your question. Am I answering any yeah. of your questions? Yeah, I feel totally, like you're totally. asking questions and then I'm just talking. I mean, that is what's happening. That, oh, that's literally what that's I'm doing. Literally, that is what is happening. So <laughs> you're doing great. <laughs> uh, no, that's really, that's super interesting uh-huh. um, because I was trying to... That specific connection was something that I felt like there was something there, yeah. but I couldn't figure out how to bridge that gap and like what I really thought about it because there's some instances like the Stars and Stripes Forever March yeah. where I know that I love that. Uh-huh. Like it really works for me. Uh-huh. I'm sure other people find it cringy, but I really enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, um, I get that. And I really enjoy, like, the A&T marching band, uh, um, and then all the, of course, like, the drum corps stuff, um, and Winter Garden, all of that sort of thing uh, that is performative. But then there's some instances where it's, like, a similar idea, and I think it just doesn't come, like, the execution just doesn't come from, like, a place of authenticity or heart, uh, and it just feels really forced. Do you have and an example of that? I do not. (laughs) I I know what you mean. I do not. Um, I'll probably think of one in a bit, but yeah, it's. I think that I think that you're right, though. It it needs to come from a place of authentic fun. Yeah, and let me just say one more thing about this: is that every time I played Sleigh Ride, and I've had that slapstick part. (laughs) Oh yeah, I could hold the slapstick upside down under the stand so no one can see it because you'll you can play a slapstick anywhere on the stage probably outside the building five miles away and, and people are going to hear it right but like there's something about just seeing it like just raising up you know and then just kind of bringing it down really quickly yeah there's something about that that everyone just loves oh yeah just loves to see yes and there's something about doing it and you know losing your your hearing right um that is just also really enjoyable yeah yeah it's it's iconic. Yeah. 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 The theatricality does not go unappreciated, for sure. Mm-hmm. Off of that, are there any, um, like, tradition or etiquette practices in 
music or just in general that you're really fond of? Like, I don't mm. really have an understanding of the biggie, like, etiquette of a percussionist. Uh-huh. Well, there's always the, um, when you're not doing anything, if you have, <laughs> it isn't as, like, specific as this, but if you have more than, like, 50 measures of rest in a piece you're playing, <laughs> then you can sit down. If if, oh. you're, if your venue is kind enough to give you chairs, sometimes they're not. Yeah. But if, you, if you're standing there, then you always put your um, left over right, mm -hmm. right here. I'm talking about left hand over right wrist. Um, you stand and you look all, I don't know. Stoic. It's stupid. It's so stupid. <laughs> but like, but like, I don't know. It's fun. It's fun to like dress up and be like all serious about yeah. the orchestra music you're playing. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like in those moments when you are doing the etiquette stuff, do uh, you feel stupid? No, I don't. That's the funny thing. I really don't. I feel like I'm so professional. I put my big boy suit on. Uh -huh. I'm in the back, and I'm about to play this one triangle note. Yeah. And everyone's going to love it or not care. It doesn't matter. But you're going to play it. I'm going to play and it. you're going to play it the right way. Yeah, hopefully. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I've been uh, a lot through my life. I've been clowned on for... <laughs> For being, so, for being so specific like that. And I get, I totally get it. I mm -hmm. think it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I think all, like, um, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the National Youth Orchestra, which I auditioned for, um, their uniforms are like a suit and jacket, or like a jacket top with like a tie, and then they have red pants mm -hmm. and then Converse's on. Oh. Yeah, which I think the reason why they do that, I really don't know this for sure, but this is my theory, is that they, like, they're kind of like, yeah, we're, we're fun, we're hip, we don't have to wear suits when we perform. Yeah, there's some sort of garment commentary there. Yeah, but, you know, like, at the same time, they do that every year, so it just kind of becomes, like, the new norm. Right. For them anyways. Yeah. But I see no reason to have to adhere to these really specific, like, don't clap in between movements in a piece of music. People used to do that all the time. You know, they, um, I don't know, don't stand up. I mean, just stand up if you enjoy something. Like, I mean, really, like, it's just, at the end of the day, it's just, like, there's not enough people that appreciate classical music. So if you're in an auditorium and, like, everyone stands up or people clap in between movements, just be grateful that there's literally, like, at least one person that is doing that and mm. feels the need to stand up or clap between movements right. because, like, no one listens to classical music. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, or not, not, not like how people used to, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, don't conform. <laughs> don't conform. <laughs> That that seems to be the underlying yeah, I guess. theme I don't know. of the podcast. Well, how would you encourage someone to march to the beat of their own drum? Yeah. Um, think about yourself, I would say. Think about yourself more than you think you should. Because I think a lot of the time people don't consider themselves as a person. Um, but like you're, 
like if you ever do that thing where you you get your camera up and you look at yourself and then you flip it right and then you're just like oh my god i don't know who i am i don't know what is happening mm -hmm. that's literally you like you're that person so just and that's how people see you mm -hmm. so think of yourself as a person and adhere to your needs obviously be like cognizant if you're being selfish or anything but treat yourself with as much respect as as you would you know treat someone that you love or uh, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. That's a beautiful sentiment. Sure. How can people listening support you or find your musical work? Mm, yeah. Um, I, I have a YouTube channel, Ian T. Jones. I've had a lot of trouble with Ian, you know, copycats of my name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, Ian T. Jones on YouTube. I write classical music. Um, I have he's published with Tap Space. You can find me on there. That's T A P S P A C E. Um, and I also have a podcast which Sarah was a guest on. That's the Lotus Eaters podcast. Then you can find that on Anchor at dot FM. Right? Is that what it is? I think that's what it is. It's it's from Spotify. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I listen on Spotify. Yeah. It's a very entertaining listen. I yeah. enjoy it every time it comes out. I'm glad someone <laughs> Now, I will say, because it does seem like we're wrapping things up here. Does it? Could be. Could be. Could be. Could be, yeah. Um, <laughs> there is, like, one more definition of cadence. Oh, yeah. And this is... I know how I was just trash-talking music theory earlier and, like, nomenclature, but cadence refers to the things that end a piece mm -hmm. or end a section. Mm -hmm. um, there's many different kinds of cadence. Uh, there's, like, a perfect authentic cadence, which is a five-to-one, and that's just, like, very standard. Um, but there's also very, like, untraditional cadences. I would even argue that you don't have to end on a one to have a cadence. It can literally be anything. Mm-hmm. So maybe if you want to think about it in that sense, think that you don't have to have a specific ending to your life. You don't have to conform or do what other people tell you to do. You can just kind of, you don't have to be the five to one. Don't be the five to one. Everyone's been to five to one. <laughs> That's been done before. Be the... <laughs> it's been overdone before. Be the, the minor two to the flat six. Do that. Right. Just, Put that on a sticker. Just don't, just be, just don't be a whole tone scale. You know, I don't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, just be yourself and be what, whatever is unique to, to you. That's my message. That's his message. Well, I think that that was the perfect cadence to this oh, recording. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for inviting me to your space yeah right? yeah and having me on i've really enjoyed it yeah thanks for for visiting of course welcome back friends that was ian t jones composer percussionist and my favorite little brother Ian always encourages me to listen to the music in my life and if i don't hear it immediately around me then to go and seek it out. So I'd love to encourage you to do the same. 
if you look around and you can't hear any, then go make some of your own and see what you can come up with. If you enjoyed hearing from Ian today, you can jam along with him on his own podcast. He co-hosts a podcast called The Lotus Eaters, which you can listen to on Spotify and a couple other platforms. And if you'd like to check out some of his work or read more about him, you can actually go to his website, which I have listed in the show notes. You can also read a little more about Ian on the Let Me Play Substack. There's a whole article on which he's featured. And if you'd like to play a little more in the Let Me Play Ensemble, you can follow us on Substack, Instagram, and Twitter. We will indeed be back next week. However, we won't be back with one friend. We will be back with two. And it's going to be a special side quest episode in which there'll be a few steps to complete. I was actually featured on a different podcast called The Sparked Podcast, hosted by Jonathan Fields, who runs what's called The Good Life Project. I submitted a question to his podcast and was chosen to have my question answered. So the episode that comes out next week, which I'm hoping to kick off right on the new year, will be my response to that show. So I'm very excited to tune into that and to share it all with you in the days to come. After that special side quest, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming with a new word and new friends. Until we meet again, thanks for playing. Thanks for playing.